Well, hi everyone. Uh, if we haven't met, which seems like most people uh, tonight, uh, my name is Matt. Uh, my wife Ashley and I moved up here from Newcastle uh, about six months ago, and we, we normally attend the morning service here at St Peter's. Uh, we have two dogs, and we love Jesus. And look, that is hardly a decent introduction for you to actually be able to trust me and be able to trust what I'm saying. So I'd really recommend that you open your uh, your Bible up to Psalm 62. That's going to be the main uh, reading we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, If you haven't got one and you're now realising that this is going to be a very confusing talk without one, uh, it'd be great if you want to stick up your hand and uh, we can, Polly will be able to run some Bibles over to you as well. Um, Because I could be anyone saying anything tonight. So it'd be great if you could follow along uh, and you could help one another by keeping me in check. Uh, So how about I start off uh, tonight uh, by asking for God's help as we approach his word. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, please help us to put aside the things of this week our troubles and our concerns, and be able to focus now on you and your word. Help us to listen to what you have to say to us and what you would have us learn by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we live in a very turbulent and worrisome age, don't we? You you can't really seem to trust the stability of anything. And you, and you just have to turn on the news to see this. I mean, externally, we've got threats like ISIS. We have political upheaval like Britain leaving the EU. We, we face times of global financial crises and stock market crashes. We have health scares like Zika in Brazil. And we have what seems to be like a new prime minister every six months here in Australia. And to, to top it all off, the real, the real icing on the cake, the real cherry, Donald Trump might be the next US president. Do I really need to say more? And yet closer to home, the instabilities continue, don't they? We have pressures at work or pressures at school. Things seem like a roller coaster going from good to bad to good again. We have loved ones who get sick and even die. We face financial stress and it seems like every other day you hear of a couple breaking up or getting divorced. You can't seem to trust anything to not let you down or find any secure rest in the world to place your confidence in, to invest in or to find security. And yet these are the things that we prioritise and we let them drive our life. And when our relationships and our health our wealth or whatever we have as our security fails, as they always do at one point or another, it destroys us, doesn't it? It doesn't just make us a a little bit sad, which should be understandable, but we feel genuine grief, We, we feel anxiety, we feel depression, fear, anger, all wrapped up in the feeling that we can't possibly go any further and nor would we want to. Have you ever had that feeling when things aren't going your way that you just wanted to quit? No doubt you've felt one of those feelings at some time or even this week. Uh, For us recently, uh, in my wife and I's life, it was moving up here from Newcastle. Um, It's it's hard, isn't it, moving to a new town, uh, a new city, uh, away from friends and family and jobs, uh, sunshine and warm weather, something that really seems to be lacking here in Armidale. Uh, Moving away from what is familiar, where you're stripped of the things of which you find most comfort, 
And without the right grounding, it leaves you feeling isolated and unwilling to move forward. Well, in our reading tonight from Psalm 62, we see a psalm of David, where David battles with the exact same problem of living in an unstable world. Who says the Old Testament isn't relevant? David writes in the midst of some hardship. Now, some commentators think possibly it's when he's fleeing Saul or when he's fleeing Absalom, but all we know is that there are people who are out to get him and that things are not going his way. He tells us in verse 4 of Psalm 62, Surely they, whoever it was, intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but with their hearts they curse. And I want to put it to you that it probably actually doesn't really matter where David was in his life, whether or not he was a faithful servant being betrayed by his king or whether he was a king facing a coup led by his son. As the options faced by David in Psalm 62 are the ones that face us all. People are coming after David to bring him down in the psalm and like a two-faced friend or a gossipy colleague, with their mouth they bless and in their hearts and behind his back they curse him. I think we've all known people like that. Maybe we are that person and we need to repent. But David's song in Psalm 62, for that's, that's what a psalm is, it's a song, shows us his choices in his hardship, his, his options of where to rest in this turbulent world. And, and I think, if you let me show you, he leads us to a much better way for going about life than being blown around by everything that life has to throw at us and being crushed uh, when those things were prioritised let us down. And on a side note, um, if, if you're coming on to church for the first time or you, you don't come very often, um, this, this is why we, we sing at church. David's psalm that we read earlier, it's, it's a song that is intended to teach his people, to encourage them, to remind them of things that they might, not, they might know but are often disconnected from their hearts and their minds. And this is the exact same thing for us. Well, what are the options of the world that we can place our trust in? Well, in dealing with his issue, whatever it was, David shows us the options that face all of us when dealing uh, with adversity or when being blown around by the world. We can despair. We can trust in our own strength. We can trust in that of others. Or we can trust in our wealth and our possessions to get us through. And and that's what we do, isn't it? We think... As long as I have this much money, I'll be all right. Or as long as my bank account doesn't drop below this certain number, I'll be fine. Or as long as I have my health, I'll be all right. Or as long as I'm good at something or at least better than others, I'll be all right. Or as long as I have my spouse or my children or my parents and we're going okay at the time, I'll be all right. And so that's the things that we prioritise. It's, it's what we think about. It's what we put our time into. It's what we put our money into. Which is all well and good, except when those things inevitably fail us. And if anyone could trust in their efforts and their strength, it would be David. Now, even if you don't know much uh, about the Bible, you probably know a little about David. 
He's a warrior whom, whom they sing about. They say, surely Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. The whole famous for the whole David and Goliath incident. That David, that's the one we're talking about. And yet what is missing from this psalm in Psalm 62? Well, violence doesn't even come up as an option for David, does it? He doesn't consider taking matters into his own hands or striking down his enemies like some say the Old Testament's full of. This, this man is, is a warrior. He's a king. He makes the laws. Surely he's above them. And yet nowhere in the psalm do we see his own strength as a suitable place for him to rest. You cannot get by no matter how great you are on your own efforts. Well, what about trusting in men? What about trusting in the strength of others to pull us through, like family or those in powers or government? We'll see there in verse 9 of the psalm. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, and the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. It is foolish, he says, to put all your hope and trust in others. Surely they are but a breath that is here one second and gone the next. They are as fleeing as a cloud of warm breath on a cold Armadale morning. Their power, their influence, their status is a lie. Their strength, their support only extends so far and so long. And even if they're decent, well then they die. They fade away. They screw up or they might let you down. And at worst, they can't even be trusted, as we heard in verse 4. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Now, I think that there's, there's been far too many political scandals in, in the media for me to bother even having to name one for you. And, and I think you've known far too many friends or family members who have died or drifted away or let you down for me to need to show you how this is true in life. Well, what then about trusting in our own status or our reputation? Well, at the time of writing, David would have at least been anointed by Samuel as Messiah. He would have been the promised king. Or at his very best, he would have been the king of Israel himself. Promised by God to have someone on the throne forever. A conqueror of armies, the slayer of giants, married to the daughter of the king. If anyone could get by trusting in their own status trusting in their reputation, it would be David. And yet in verse 9, he declares that your status, your middle-class upbringing, your private education, your fancy and lucrative arts degree is a lie. It is only as good as people want to recognise it. He says, Surely the lowborn are but a breath, and the highborn are but a lie. You will find no rest in these labels, he says. Well, what about wealth? What about our money? It too is fleeting, he says in verse 10. He says, Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Again, if anyone second to Solomon could put their trust in wealth, it would be David. King of Israel with the nation's gold and the plunder of his enemies to do as he saw fit. And yet he warns, don't put your trust in them. Do not set your heart on them, in verse 10, 
They are a lousy trust. And they are, as we've seen far too recently, can be devalued in an instant. Next thing you know, you might need a wheelbarrow of money to buy a loaf of bread. Your stocks collapse, your currency wanes, your superannuation takes a hit, your bank fails. Your money cannot save you. It comes and goes far too easily to give you rest. And yet we let its rising and its falling determine our moods, our friendships and our priorities. So where then can we rest? Where can we trust? Well, if we can't trust in our own efforts, our upbringing, we can't trust in others, we can't trust in money, where can we trust? Where can we find rest and security? Well, meeting in a church and reading from the Bible and looking at even the very first verse of the psalm, I don't think David's answer will surprise us very much in the slightest. In fact, unless this is your first church service ever, in which case, welcome, I don't think anyone was really expecting me to get up the front to open the Bible and start extolling the virtues of a high-interest bank account, a private school education, and seven close friends who can weather you through all that life has to throw at you. The answer of where we can trust is the same answer we teach to our children, isn't it? Verse 1. But if we're not surprised by verse 1, such a revelation that God, sorry if I didn't make that clear, should be where we should trust, where we should rest, why then do we live as if he isn't where we should place our confidence and our trust? Why then do we fall into trusting our wealth or our status or our own efforts? As if these things could save us, as if these things could get us through life. Why then is it, is it them that we let determine our mood, our worries and anxieties and not trusting God? Well, let us let David remind us of why God is where we should rest. And let us let his song encourage our hearts. Well, the very first thing that we see in the psalm is that where man and wealth and reputation are fleeting... God stands constant. Where man and wealth and reputation are fleeting, God stands constant. Let's take a look at how many times in the psalm God is described in a way that is immovable. Follow along with him. In verse 2, he is a rock, a fortress, in which David will never be shaken. Verse 3, he's contrasted with David's leaning wall or tottering fence. If we missed it the first time, see in verse 6 that God is a rock and a fortress. Verse 8, he is a refuge. Verse 11, he is one with unfailing love. Not like a breath or a, a gossipy co-worker with blessings to your face and curses behind your back, but unfailing love. God will not lose his value like money. He will not grow old and die. He will not get sick and he will not change his mind. His reputation is constant and not open to interpretation by you or I or by the world. There will be no stock market crash of his glory. Well, is he not looking like a better place to rest already? But David is not even warmed up yet. Look at how many times in the psalm that David tells us of the personal nature of God. Have, have a count of them now. He says, he is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my hope, my mighty rock, my refuge. 
God is not an impersonal bank balance or a faraway ally. He's not a, he's not a politician that we've never met or a family member that we don't really know where we stand with. He's personal and he's known to David and David is known by God. David has a personal relationship with God. And nextly, David says that his salvation is found in God alone. He says it in verse 1. My salvation comes from him. Verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Again in verse 6, he says, my salvation. Verse 7. David's salvation and honour depend on God. They depend on God. He cannot do it himself. And he really makes a big deal out of this, and and, and rightly so, because David's salvation is not just from the troubles of this life, but stretching into eternity. I'll say it again. David's salvation is not just from the troubles of this life, but stretching into eternity. And we see this in verse 11. Verse 11 of Psalm 62 in which David extols God's unfailing love and how he will repay everyone according to what they've done. God's love is unfailing and he'll repay everyone according to what they've done. Do you see where there might be a problem there? Now, because if we don't, if we don't reconcile these two things of God's unfailing love and his judgment, we either have a... if we if we lean too heavily on one or the other. We either have a God who doesn't care about all the injustice in the world or we have a God where we can't really be certain that we won't be destroyed by him, where we live in constant fear of being good enough for God or having done enough good works to cancel out all our bad. This is the way that the world often thinks about God but not the way that the Christian does. Well, how can these two things be reconciled? His unfailing love and his judgment. How can it be that, we, that God can be a steady comfort that provides salvation and love, whilst at the same time looming judgment upon everyone according to what they've done? Well, there's only one way, isn't there? We see God's unfailing love and his perfect judgment in Jesus and his death on the cross, where he bore, bore willingly in unfailing love, the repayment according to what we have done in our place. Hebrews 6 verse 19 sums up this security well when it calls this hope an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Well, doesn't that just echo David's confidence? This rest is not just for this life, though, but for the one to come. As by Jesus' death, we can enjoy eternal rest in God's love. As we heard earlier from David in John 14, 1-3, David himself says, and I'll read it again for us, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now that sounds awfully like Psalm 62. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and if it wasn't so, would I have told you that I was going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. By Jesus' death, we have confidence to stand before God's judgment. And by Jesus' resurrection and ascension, we can have confidence that we have a better future to come, 
regardless of our present troubles. Well, what then should we do in response to this psalm? Well, David himself gives us our our application back in verse 8 of Psalm 62. If you want to turn to uh, Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. You see, God God is not meant to be only a a safety net whom we call upon in times of great distress or when our other futile comforts fail, whom we only give our second best to. But as verse 1 states, he's to be where we rest. Well, where are you resting in at the moment? You can, you can often tell what it is you're resting in by thinking about what your main concerns were over, the, over this week, what, what you got most anxious about, what you got irrationally angry about, what you took the most pride in. Chances are that that's what you're resting in, that that's what you're trusting to give you the best life. These are the things that occupy the thought, our thoughts the majority of the time. The things that keep us up at night when they go badly. They're the things that we get irrationally angry or depressed about when they don't go our way. Or they make us feel satisfied and happy and successful when they're good. And tonight we've seen how futile it is to rest in such things. To turn what is normally a good thing and let it dictate our lives. Rest instead in God, says David. Trust that in him you are looked after. He alone is unwavering, a rock and a salvation, full of unfailing love. Let him occupy our thoughts. Spend time with him in prayer and his word. And I think most of the time, theologically, we know this, but it's often far from our hearts and from our actions. How often is it that you've, that you've skipped church or Bible study because you've, you've deemed something else to be more important than spending time in God's word or with his people? How often have you thought, well, no, I'm too busy to serve at church or you know, I don't have the time to be regular at church or it feels like a chore, yet magically we've, we've found the time to devote to extra work or a hobby or studies or sport. How often have you thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not really rich enough to, to be generous? Or how often have you thought about speaking up about your faith or in inviting someone along to church, but you didn't because you didn't want to put your reputation at risk? Now, I say these things not to, not to stand in judgment of you, but because I know that these are the things that I myself are guilty of and need to repent and work on. Instead, like we're so quick to treat our money our sporting clubs, our education, our family. Let us instead invest in God. Prioritise him. Serve him and his people. Let him be what determines our mood, our feeling of security, our hopes for the future. And as David exhorts us in verse 8, pour out your hearts to him. He cares for you. Bring everything before him in prayer, your anxiety, your concerns, your hopes. The things that we usually rest in are good things, but they are not God. He alone is faithful, full of constant love, and he cares for you. It is foolish of us to rest in things created by God when we can be resting in God himself. Well, do you pour out your hearts before him? Do you trust him with the things of your life? Or has your prayer life become a repetition of the same empty words and phrases that lack depth, they lack relationship, 
and they lack honest dependence. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. Well, how about we finish up now by pouring out our hearts to him in prayer? Let me pray. Dear Lord, we praise you that you are a movable in a moving world, that you are trustworthy and full of unfailing love. Help us not to get distracted by the things of this world, the good things that you have given us, but to trust in you alone. Help our souls to find rest in you. Show us where we're resting and investing in fleeting things and shape our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Please help us to invest in you as we await with confidence for your return. In Jesus' name, amen.